Hey, welcome back to the Sex Ed series. For this project, I sent out a survey on Instagram and pasted the link all around my college. I wanted my peers to be able to reflect on their sex education experience, rate it in some way based off of personal interest and engagement with the material at the time, and allow space for us to imagine what our ideal sex education would have looked like. The questions ranged from how you identify and where you went to high school and when, and if you'd even be interested in hearing a podcast about this in the first place. In an attempt to make this journalistic piece collaborative for the people I'm writing it about and for, a question on the survey asked, who would be most interesting for you to hear speak about sex education and their experiences with it? The range of responses was vast. Many people wanted others who looked like them and experienced life similarly to them to speak on their sex education experience. Some wrote that they want to hear from queer people about their sex education experience. Some said they want more folks of color to speak on this matter. Someone was interested in hearing about the intersectional experiences of lower income people, queer people, people of color, and how all of these things can amount to even less relatable sex education for them. Someone said they wanted to hear from a porn star, Another wanted to hear sex therapists talk about these things, their favorite social media influencers, or their peers. Many wanted to hear from experts in the field, which would include sex psychologists, sexologists, sex educators, and current students taking sex education in high schools today. We already have the media for all of these things to be possible, yet with the shadow banning of certain creators, especially for those creators who are Black or who talk about sex or both, it can be extremely difficult to find the information that you need. If you're feeling like you can't get your hands on the resources that you need, check out check out episode number six for a wonderful collection of sex education resources. I love that this can be a space where we reflect and revise what we've learned from a failed system in schools all over the world. I want this to be an intentional space for these conversations, available to as many people as possible where any questions can be asked or answered or pondered together. I want to reflect on my own sex education experience now as a micro-model for what can happen when sex education is not taught consistently or engagingly, or is left to the devices of people in schools who have no background in sex education at all. I heard from a few people who also went to the private high school that I did in rural Maryland. We each seemed to have similar experiences of a health class that briefly touched on forms of birth control, STI prevention, and of course, abstaining from sex. For most of my life, I have not considered this to be a sex education. After hearing other experiences though, my mind has changed. It's important to know that a few of the people who did go to the same high school as I did had one health teacher, while those a few years younger than I am had a different person. From studying this topic and speaking with people about it, a conclusion I've been able to make is that each sexual education experience is quite different from the last, even if students were learning in the same classroom. Classrooms, though, can be boring. And this is another common theme of the survey responses, as my peers remembered their sex education as unengaging, feeling like teachers were dragging their feet at the mention of sex at all. In the early days of sex education, these conversations were to be handled by physicians, as sex is a medical matter. It was a worry that doctors would bore young students with lectures on this topic, and the information wouldn't be relayed in any effective manner, which brings us back to square one. Sweet.
so my name is Nick Kellogg. I went to Johnston just a couple years behind uh, Susie. I am living in Daytona Beach, Florida at uh, the wonderful Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, as you can see by the palm trees in the back. Uh, this is Nick. He and I floated through the same circles at our tiny high school and experienced the same regulations that our high school provided for sex education. But we had different teachers of the subject. It's about my identity, like I identify as a straight male. I don't know if that's the correct answer to your question, but that's where it is. Um, or heterosexual male, look at me with good terms and stuff. Um, what else? My major is mechanical engineering currently, but next semester I'm switching to commercial space flight operations. Uh, looking forward to it. It seems like a pretty big growing field in the next 15, 20 years uh, with everything with SpaceX and going on. So super excited about that. I'm on the flight team down here and uh, my end goal is to become a commercial pilot. I guess that's kind of a little bit about myself. Is there anything else uh, did you want to know that I missed out of the out of the list? No, that sounds perfect. Thank you. Sweet. Um, and can you just tell me a bit about the sexual education that you experienced? Yeah. So, I guess starting in middle school, uh, sexual education was it was of course you know in fifth grade we got like the talk uh, with like here's how everything works and like here's going through puberty and like you know your friends might be getting like their period or whatever and like it was very much a kind of an awkward experience for everybody uh not super educational it was kind of more of the the guys and the girls got split up and um it was like they just went into two separate classrooms there was female teachers teaching the the girls and guy teachers teaching the guys so i think we had the upper school head and the English department chair teaching ours and it was, it was 25 minutes basic overview they kind of want to get in and out uh, which you know I can kind of understand teaching sex ed to a room full of 40 13 year olds is probably a uh, an interesting experience but you know going from there into high school we had one year uh, I think it was one year of kind of like a they call it health it was basically the athletics department director, uh, they taught it and it was fine. It was more of a basic overview of everything. I mean, we got like more scientific about it. We got like more diagrams and we had like tests and whatnot uh, and kind of talking about some of the science behind what's going on because the athletics director is big into like sports physiology and stuff like that. So it was an interesting class not the most memorable thing uh, I think for any of us yeah it's pretty basic it was like here's how not to get an STD and here's how to not get someone pregnant which like works in some cases but sometimes it doesn't work so you know it's really just a basic overview and didn't really go too deep into anything if that makes sense Someone named Maddie, who graduated a few years before I did, described a sex education experience that, that sounded pretty familiar to me. She wrote, We had health class for like a fourth of the year, but the only thing I remember in regards to sex education was the teacher pushing the idea of abstinence on us, to be honest, and perhaps some talk of STDs, but I definitely wouldn't have called it sex education. 
A good friend of mine named Henry also told me about his experience in the survey. He and I went to the same grade school and high school and had about the same sex education experience in both. He said, very little worked. I was in middle school and we were shown a video and told to ask any questions we had in a somewhat public manner. The video didn't encompass any true dynamics of sex, mostly just explained how a baby was made. I left with no true understanding of the significance of sex, not knowing any appropriate scenarios to have it, or how to go about any of my feelings about it emotionally or physically. The way it was presented made it awkward to ask any legitimate questions or air any concerns I had about sex. Also, everything I learned was very surface level. Now as a sexually active adult, I just don't feel like my education reflected the reality of sex and sexual relationships. Sperm plus egg equals baby is a biology lesson. The physical, emotional, and mental elements of sex are far more complicated than that. While I get those concepts are hard to explain to children, I feel like they hold legitimate weight and are worth informing people of before they have sex. Much of my college life has been spent thinking and writing about experiences in my rural private high school and how that shaped my friends and I as we grew up without having conversations of sexual health, consent, sexual assault, or pleasure. My real aha moment was when I was in the archives in Sweden and I found a letter from uh, um, from from a sex educator in Ireland, a much more conservative country than Sweden, um, to the head of the Swedish sex ed organization. And it basically said something that my mother, who was herself a sex education, might have written. Basically, why do you rock so much? And specifically, why are your teen pregnancy and your teen STD rates so low? And I actually quote this in the book because the guy writes a very nice letter back and says, thanks for your note. I think you have us wrong. First of all, it's true there's rates are lower here, but, but we don't know if that's because of sex ed, which is, by the way, really important, and we can return to that, that people radically exaggerate what sex ed does or can do. But then more interestingly, I think he says, and besides, that's not, that's not the point. We've never even measured it. That's not the goal of sex ed. Nobody wants those things, right? Nobody wants STDs, right? But the goal is not to prevent the STDs. The goal is, and I can quote it almost directly, to help each individual uh, determine and develop a healthy sexual life. And the reason this was an aha moment for me has a lot to do with my own upbringing because my mom was a sex educator and she taught me that like the Northern European countries were quote ahead of the United States. And I think this is a fallacy because that metaphor about ahead and behind, any race metaphor implies that there's shared finishing gate, right? That you have shared goals. But I think what this exchange shows is the fallacy of that. Um, that is, in Sweden, they had a different set of goals for sex ed. It wasn't that they were ahead of us, right? It was that they were imagining a different purpose for it. If we're talking about sexual decision-making, which, again, I think it's interesting that that's what everything in the U.S. devolves to, right? The goal of sex ed is to affect behavior. I think, again, that's the heart of the problem, right? But if that's what you're trying to do, it seems to me that that, that, that other venues are much more promising, especially, like, text messaging services. You've probably read about this in the research, but some state health agencies and then private agencies like Planned Parenthood, they have these text messaging services where, you know, if somebody in school says you can't get pregnant the first time, if you can't get pregnant when you have your period, instead of listening to them or some other equally ignorant person, you text somebody that actually knows and they text you back. What I just described is sex education, right? It is. But it's not school-based, and I think that it's much more promising because it isn't. 
Um, that is, it's not, it might happen in school, but it's not something that's organized by the school. But here it's virtues. It meets the kid where she is, i.e. on the screen. It's private, right? And most of all, you don't have to have any sort of public consensus on it. I think more and more about my friends who have been assaulted and about the people who, assault, who had assaulted them. They are to blame for this immense pain these perpetrators have caused my friends. I still wonder what part of their lack of sex education has played in this. I wonder if there were 38 people in my graduating class, and I know for a fact that three of those people have sexually assaulted someone I know, and a fourth sexually harassed me online, how many more people have done this, or how many people still will? Well, no, no, just the, the other thing that I was going to add is, I, I also want to emphasize that, you know, Obviously, I told you about my own background and kind of the, the system, if you will, that I come from. I also think it's important for all of us to be a little bit modest about our choices and how much we know. You know, so, you know, as our, we have two daughters and as they were coming up, um, we had two, like, absolute rules for them on the subject. Um, uh, the first one was that everything had to be protected. Everything, right? Um, uh, that you couldn't have unprotected sex. And the second one was whatever decision you made, it had to be yours. Whatever you decide to do, it has to be because you want to do it, not because somebody else does. Well, the first one is kind of a no-brainer, right? It may not be always easy to operationalize, but I don't think there's anything interesting about it, right? Pedagogically or philosophically, right? Mm. There's a disease environment, there's a threat of pregnancy, like, dumb, mm -hmm. right? But the second one, Susie, I think is enormously complicated. So, okay, you're saying this has to be on my clock. Fine. What time is it? Yeah. How do I know? Um, uh, when is the right time to do it? Do you have to be in this thing called love? And, you know, obviously those are all choices that our daughters had to make on their own. And I'm not persuaded I'm not certain that our approach there, which is kind of a classically small L liberal approach, right? This is your call. The most important thing is your autonomy. Maybe they needed more direction from us on how to make that call. And notice that maybe because I'm not persuaded of that either, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just offering this as an example, just to, just to point out how complicated these matters are. And as always in a complicated matter, the real enemy is self-certainty. That's the real enemy of learning. Mm. Uh, the more self-certain you are, um, the less you're going to find out. I hope you enjoyed hearing a bit more about what my high school experience was like, sex ed-wise. On the next episode, you'll hear about students who wish they had had queer sex ed and students who are practicing it now. Stay tuned, because there's more coming.